Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC main card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Viva section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Singapore Indoor Stadium in Kalong, Singapore, featuring what may what you know what? I know the UFC's put on some stinkers for main events uh in the past couple of years. Even in this year, this year we got, uh, you know, that terrible Rosenstreich versus Almeida fight. We got Holly Holm versus Buena Silva. We got, uh, you know, uh, Strickland versus Imovov. Strickland uh, Magomedov was the true. Strickland Magomedov, yeah. We've had some terrible main events this year. Uh, You know, it it happens. UFC puts on 40, 45 cards a year. They're not all going to be winners. uh, And also they don't care. Um, But this is the worst. No, it's not. This is the worst main event. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I'm going to, as my evidence that this is not the worst main event, I'm going to ask you to restate all those ones you just named because I've already forgotten them. Those are uh, Strickland versus. Don't actually, please. I beg. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is not worse than than another Holly Holm main event. I'm yes, sorry. It is. This is, it, it, it is, is unless. Personally bad. You're, you're one of these, you know, you're like. Korean zombie deserves better. I have his T-shirt. No, I, I, I look. I like the guy. I like watching him fight and all that. And I usually am not going to, you know, tell the t- tell any the UFC that they need to like safety, you know, be all paternal over some fighter. If they want these kinds of fights, they should get these kinds of fights and all that. But this is just a hammer versus an egg, and like, you know. That's it. Like it, it, we, you, you are signing up to watch the most predestined ass kicking that we could have, that you could imagine this I, year. I won't deny that I, I'm, I'm going to have a pretty easy time picking this fight. I also don't necessarily buy that Korean Zombie is like. I don't think he's like Chris Weidman shot. Really? What's the basis of that? I mean. He got crushed by Volkanovski. Guess who else got crushed by Volkanovski in his last fight? The other guy in this main event. Only difference is he didn't get knocked out. He he. The thing for me is just that Jung has been looking more and more the past few years like a fighter that gets hurt regularly in ways that used to be, you know, he used to be defined by his inability to get hurt that way. 
Well, I mean, you say that he did famously get one shotted by George Roop. Yeah, he's never his his durability has never been as legendary as it ha- was made out to be. His willingness to take damage was what marked him more than the fact that he couldn't possibly be hurt. Yeah, he got hurt in a but fight. Poirier, he got knocked out by Roop. He looks more and more to me like a fighter who gets hurt early in every fight, who takes a couple of shots. And you're like, oh, you really shouldn't be taking these shots anymore. Did he get hurt early by Ike? I think so. Possible. I don't recall that happening. Brian Ortega turned out to be, and this is one of the reasons that I'm going to pick this so confidently for Max, is that. One of the reasons you should have infinite reasons. Oh, I got more than one. I got more than one. No, I'm just saying like. That you don't even need to preface it as like, oh, this is one of several. Like, it sounds like when you say it's one of the reasons, it sounds like, oh, well, you know, there could be an argument. But I've got a couple of things that here are really steering me in this chi- in this case. Now, this is <laughs> like I said, this is a hammer and an egg. And you're trying to describe to me like, oh, there are a couple of reasons I think the egg's going to get broken. Here's the thing. Put both these fighters in their prime. Sure. Would you also not just confidently pick Max Holloway? Of course. He's sure. one of the best ever. Sure. So I, I just it's 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 the idea that the reason it's a terrible matchup. You wouldn't have called this a terrible matchup if, say, like Holloway had like lost his title and gotten this on his route back after. If, the first if this five, were five years ago, I wouldn't say this is a terrible matchup. No. Yeah, but it would you would have had just as easy a time picking it for Holloway. No, I actually would have had a less easy time picking it for Holloway. You think so? I would have picked Holloway, absolutely, and I would have picked Holloway confidently. Right now, I would go out and just hang a banner outside my house that says, I am picking Max Holloway. I would, I don't bet, but I would bet money on Max Holloway. I am way more confident this time around than I would have been five years ago. All right, sucker, lay it down. How much you betting? You're not betting money. No, I'm not <laughs> betting. I'm, I'm, I'm never betting money. I don't. to <laughs> me. I'm yeah. just saying I am way more confident about this than I would have been at any point in the past, even being confident in the past, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's not that vast a difference for me. It's like, I would have been happy to see this matchup um, as like a top of the division sorting kind of thing a few years ago. And a few years ago, I would have been like, yeah, obviously Max. And that's how I feel now. I think both guys are past their best. I think people are feeling especially dire about Korean Zombie because he got thrashed so badly by Volkanovski. But again, so did Max Holloway. Volkanovski made Max Holloway look like fucking Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje in that yeah. rubber match of theirs. And, uh, and no one's out here um fretting for max versus korean zombie because it is just a matchup where you would pick max um, yeah so and he's I, also I five years younger i think in five years i'm going to be fretting about max holloway oh, given sure. the fights he's had over his he's career and yet there is still the feeling that max is uh a bit faded and has been sure. forced to reconfigure his game and try to find new ways of fighting other than the uh because you know like he's probably taken as much punishment as Korean Zombie. Oh yeah, I mean Korean Zombie had to spend all those years sitting on the sidelines. 
Yeah. And Max's fights are routinely insane where he just breaks people with will and pressure and volume and has never been a, a defensive savant. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm Max, just like Chan Sung Jung, he's going to find himself in the same kind of position where, you know, these these are both men who have started started who started their careers incredibly early on. Yeah. Uh, Holloway even earlier than Chan Sung Jung. But Chan Sung Jung has been fighting since he was 20. Holloway has actually been fighting. He started his amateur career. 16 or something, right? He was very... At the same age that... He started his amateur career the year before Korean Zombie turned pro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And when you start fighting that young, you don't get that long, graceful decline. No. Uh, unless you're Robbie Lawler. Sure. And, or RDA, for that matter. Th- those are like your two counter. But it, yeah, for both of these guys, you know, Chan, Chan Sung Jung is... If, if, it, if Max Holloway weren't so much more technical in his uh, mastery and work behind the jab, I would just say flat out that Holloway is looking at his future. But he probably still is, you know. It, it, it's probably a, a time not too far off from now where if Max Holloway stays in the game. Yeah, I just don't. Uh, I just don't buy Korean Zombie as being horribly completely shot. I mean, I don't think we have any evidence of that yet. I think if you're not convinced heading into this fight, you will be convinced heading out of this fight. Except that you won't be because you'll be like, "Yeah, well, it's Max Holloway." Well, this is this is all I'm saying is, yeah, I would have I would have picked Max to to thrash Korean Zombie years ago. Yeah, but I, w- I would have picked at the time. I would have picked Zombie to at least hang tough in that and like, you know, look like he's still competing. In a well, Max is not the uh, Max is not exactly the biggest puncher, nor uh, yeah. in all his fights lately has he been the highest output. Like that Arnold Allen fight, he's. This is the thing is, I think he's doing more of what Brian Ortega did to beat Korean Zombie. Yeah, and that was still a a very one sided fight. I think that's just a bad style matchup for KZ. Like, um, being a guy who has always been willing to charge forward and soak up punishment, and and I agree, probably diminished in his ability to do that, but the la- the last stages of his career has really cultivated a counter puncher's game. Yeah. And um, while he does have some excellent counters to the jab, if he can't pick up your timing and put you out with one of those shots early, you're going to get a lot of initiative and a lot of yeah. time to. And I, he, I think he's having more trouble now pulling the trigger than he used to be. So. Could be. Uh, again, yeah. I mean, a take a fight was not great. The Ige fight, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought both guys looked pretty good. Um, yeah. He looked. I think a lot of that was saved by the fact that Ige has has been overly willing to give up a grappling initiative with the idea he could get it back, and Chan Sung Jung can still really grapple very well. It's probably always been the best part of his game, right? Yeah, Sung Jung's submission grappling is phenomenal, and he's an underrated wrestler as well. Yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, but this is that's also why I would never have picked him because I think those are the best aspects of his game other than knocking yeah. people out. Max Holloway doesn't get knocked out. And he's really, really difficult to take down and nigh impossible to outgrapple. 
even if even if you can get him down. Um. So yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it's it's a, a hard matchup to pick. I no, just don't I know it's you're not. substantially harder to pick now than it would have been way before everyone was worried about Korean Zombie. And the main reason everyone's worried about Korean Zombie is that he got crushed by the guy who crushed Holloway. Uh, you know, it's not worse than Holmes Silva Zane. I, I mean, you must take that back. <laughs> that is no, no, I'm not taking it back. That I'm not taking that back. I'm not such a terrible main event. You don't give a shit about either of those fighters. At least you like these two fighters. I do like them. I just think this matchup sucks. Yeah. I just is, think it's, is there any matchup you'd like to see Korean Zombie in right now? I could have watched him. I would actually want to watch him fight Cub Swanson. That would be a cool fight. Uh, I mean, I, I I agree. I'd like to see that. They're they're not making a main event out of that. And no, I don't care if they make a main event out of it. You asked me what fight I wanted to see. I want to see, if I want to see a fight for Korean Zombie, it's Cub Swanson. Sure, I would enjoy that. That would feel interesting and competitive, and both men at a point in their career that's very similar and uh, would allow them both to show off their strengths with the potential that either man could win. Yeah. I got, I still think Cub is probably, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is, I, I'm, I'm I, like, I am pretty sure this is Korean zombies last fight of his career. Isn't it? This is like, I don't know. Has he said he's retiring? I think he said he's retiring. I know he before after his last fight, he was like, yeah. I'm going I think I'm going to retire. And then he's like, no, I'm going to, you know, come back for like one or two more or something. I think this is very likely his last fight. And it's just going to be a horrendous one sided beating. And it's just no fun at all. I, I can't see the fun in it. Yeah, it's not in Korea. It's not, you know, it, it is him getting what he wants, which is a meaningful big fight. And I get it. That's what fighters want. I can't be too paternalistic about this. I, I understand why if UFC's coming to Korean Zombie and being like, hey, you want to fight Max Holloway? He's like, yeah, of course I want to fight Max Holloway. Yeah. But Max Holloway calling out Korean Zombie, ugh, just... I don't know. Yeah. It's not worse than Strickland, Abu Smugamadoff. It's not worse than Holmes Silva. I'm sorry. I, you know. Those are dog shit main events. Those they, are true. They are, they are technically cares. worse main events, but I have. Okay, all right. I'll take that. I have less disdain for them. I'll take that. Okay. It's it's personal. You know, I'll take that. I can't, I can't argue. That. It's not some like Mac Chan Sung Jung lust or something. I'm not. I've never been the Korean zombie guy. I've never been that guy. It's just literally. I think everyone's the Korean zombie guy a little bit. Yeah, right? I mean, we're, we're all a little bit. Chan Sung Jung. Yeah, we're, we're we're all a little bit. It, it's not. It's. Not, I'm not saying like, oh, I hate Koreans. No, I. You know, I'm. We're all a little bit of that fan. Yeah. It's just that. This just feels like a fight that does nothing for nobody, yeah. you know? Can we talk about Singapore Indoor Stadium? What kind of stadium name is that? When you run out of naming ideas. It's supposed to be called, like, 
Androgen Corp Coliseum or something. Like we got to bring democracy to these people because they don't <laughs> they don't know how to name their stadiums. Right. Can't just be a name of a venue. It's got to what what corporation is this stadium? Yeah, it's got to be the AmeriCorp uh, license con. Yeah, what Lex Luthor company name can we hack on this to to save Singapore from themselves? Yeah. Anyway, do we want to add any technical analysis to this? I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I, I would I would probably pick Max to be able to overwhelm. I I'm I do wonder at what point Max's chin is going to go. Yeah, it'll happen sooner or later. It can't last forever, and he has he took a ton of punishment in his last fight. You know, he's taken a ton in a lot of recent fights. The Rodriguez one is just one example, uh, and many, many before then. It's got to go at some point. Um, I do kind of expect him to take a little more of his his crafty veteran approach, as he did against Arnold Allen. Try to kind of lead the zombie around by the nose. Um, I think that allows zombie to hang out in the fight longer. Maybe try to get a wrestling game working if he can. Like if in some universe he gets all the way down to the ground, I think it's probably a tougher grappling threat than any that Holloway has faced. Um, but he's just a nightmare to take down and very difficult to get into a position to even get a clean shot off against. And um, I think. Yeah, Korean Zombie is slower afoot and just had a harder time um, making the fight, uh, finding the counters he wants against somebody who just doesn't feel compelled to make a ton of big commitments and throw themselves at him over and over again. Yeah, I get the feeling that... I get the feeling this is going to be something like the Calvin Cater fight, but it'll, it'll end... Uh, if it's as bad as that, then it will end. I have no yeah, idea. like I, I, I think that Holloway will start out maybe as you say, and build look to build a little momentum behind his, you know, his his one two and all that. Yeah, even his and, old and says he would he always was a slower starter. And yeah, win. and I just get the feeling that at some point early on he's gonna sort of like glancingly hurt Korean Zombie. And just start to turn up the energy from there in a way that he will fall into that onslaught pace and zombie will be out of the fight. Could be. Shortly thereafter. What does like, Max glancingly hurt people, though? I, I, this is... When does, when, his chin. When, yeah, when does, when does Max fight somebody as washed as I think Korean zombie is right now? Yeah. That's, that would be the the counter to that, you know. the The last person he fought that wasn't sniffing some part of their prime was probably Anthony Pettis in 2016, and even then, that was, you know, still a fairly, a, a still a, you know, that was still a Anthony Pettis in his 20s. <laughs> yeah, and. Pettis had that had that Shogun Prime. Yeah, he had like three years from twenty five to or from twenty three to twenty six. Yeah, and then like Shogun managed to hold on to like a post Prime phase for a lot longer than any of us thought he could. Yeah, very much. Um, so yeah, otherwise, like you know, 
we talk, you're like, oh, who is Matt Max Holloway hurt early on in fights? He's fought Arnold Allen, Alexander Volkanovsky, Yair Rodriguez, Calvin Cater, Volkanovsky again. 2019 Edgar is probably really, you know, that's pretty post-prime he Edgar. Volkanovsky early in their second fight, but it wasn't a glance. Yeah. It was a head kick. Yeah, I just, I, I think that this is going to be a, this is going to look ugly in a hurry, I think. And I, I, you know, even if it starts cautious. I mean, I, yeah, if, 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 he, if, if Korean Zombie is just like completely fragile now, like, I, I guess I won't be surprised. I just don't, I just don't know if that's the case yet. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on that. That is as optimistic as I'm willing to let myself get. Sure. Is the idea, well, you know, maybe he will actually just be solid and dangerous enough that Holloway has to resort to just pot shotting him for five rounds. I'm kind of, I, I kind of feel like that's the Holloway move now. I kind of feel like he's yeah. been trying to flesh out that side of his game on the understanding that uh, going into another fight like the third one with Volk and having no option but to keep pressing into the wood chipper is yeah. not attainable. You know, Odds he, on the fight. Have their Poirier fight in him at this point. That much is clear. Yeah. Odds on the fight. Holloway opened at minus 847. It's currently at minus 763. Chan Sung Jung is plus 607. Opened at plus 607. Currently plus 556. Yeah, I don't know why those odds are getting even marginally closer. Doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, there's no world in which I'd pick zombie. To, to no. No. Uh, that brings us to the light heavyweight rematch that we obviously very much absolutely had to have. That brings us to, as, as Phil prophesied, the main event after Korean Zombie tears his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we get another Smith spawn main event. It's only been two years. Yeah. Ryan, Anthony Smith versus Ryan. Spawn. I would say like, what is left to settle out of this? <laughs> <laughs> but I think Anthony, Anthony Smith has been like carrying this grudge about Ryan Spawn. Like he had it before the fight and he has never let go of it. What's his issue with him? Spawn was like a little bit dismissive of Smith in the lead up to their fight. Uh-huh. And Smith has just like eternally been mad about it ever since. Surely that's I don't remember anything particularly egregious from from him. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I can't remember what the actual point of like where the trash the trash talk came in. Who knows? Um, it was. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it was some Watchmen quote. The yeah, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. That Spawn said to about Anthony Smith. That got Smith mad. It has had him riled for year, months, years. What? <laughs> I don't understand it, but it has. And. So that's why we're getting, I think that's why we're getting this rematch is that like, obviously for Spawn, it's a fight he wants to get back. But for Smith, it's a fight he is still like, he so still weird. has a chip on his shoulder and feels like he needs to prove something. He won the fight in three minutes. Why is he still fixated on it? I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Very strange. Um, I'm going to pick Smith again, though. And the their last fights for both of them kind of tell me why. And their, la- their, their previous fight, obviously, as well. But uh, for all of his, you know, ability to be convinced to stay, to, to just basically drop out of a fight that Anthony Smith has, he's still a shockingly durable fighter in those fights. Yeah, yeah. And can still find moments and have moments of success and make reads. And Spawn is much more of a self-destruction case. Oh, yeah. Like, he is either coming out and icing you, or he is getting into a fight that he can't maintain. And not even necessarily because his cardio won't sustain it or something like that, but just because he will make too many obvious errors to allow himself to stay in the fight. Yeah, I mean, I think p- part of it is that he can't sustain it because he cannot. He doesn't know how to control his pace. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he but he has like what like Khalil Roundtree used to have. Yeah. And he has not found a way to sort it out. Um, and I think you're right about Smith that like e- even back in Smith's. Um, God, did he used to be a welterweight or am I imagining no. that? He was only ever a middleweight. You sure? Like he had a very long career before he got to the UFC. Why yeah, not? it was all wait. Okay. Um, but even back in those days, before he like sort of discovered that he was a little bit of a comeback artist, mm-hmm. it wasn't durability that uh, knocked him out of fights. He was yeah. able to physically weather a ton of punishment. It was just that he f- mentally collapsed. Yeah. Uh, he puts a lot of pressure on himself, clearly. Um, but yeah, sp- spawn similar kinds of pressure, and he just explodes from it. Like yeah. usually, in within the first round, he is already Smith withdraws into a shell. At which point, he can be overwhelmed, or at which point, even if you're not overwhelming him, he might just never find momentum again. Yeah, you know, with Walker, Walker started hurting him early, and Smith was just kind of like, "Well, this sucks." He, he, he has, it, it's something that, you know, not, obviously Uriah Faber was way, way tougher mentally about this kind of thing and yeah. way better athletically compared to his competition. I think that's a big part of it for Smith too, but it is the kind of thing that would happen to Uriah Faber when he found somebody that was just better than him. Yeah. Faber would just have like a safety mode. He would go into and be like, well, I guess I'm losing this. I'll just... Yeah, stay on the back foot and try not to get hurt too bad. Well, and the problem doing that for first span is that he doesn't he doesn't have any defense at all. Yeah, he literally does not know how to avoid a punch. No, um, particularly when it's like the jab that Anthony Smith just kept hitting him with, like every single time, uh, or walking into like three left hooks, which like yeah. sent him to the mat. Yeah, it's. Spawn, he just, yeah, you, he has to be, he has to be scary enough to you that you don't make any reads and you, you get, you get put out immediately. Yeah. His defense is, is that he's so much bigger than you that you just don't know how to get to him. And yeah. if you have any kind of jab of your own, any kind of long range tool, he has literally does not react. Yeah. Doesn't know what to do. 
Um, and then after those first shot, shots start to land, this is the thing that Anthony Smith does not tend to do is he goes absolutely apeshit because yeah. that's all he's got is the, the offense is the barrier to you beating him. And so he just, he just doubles down and usually that results in him getting finished. Yep. He just gets in worse and worse spots and pushes more and more to the point that like, yeah, his opponent has to put him away. Yep. Oh, I'm seeing now. I mean, I'm just watching it as we talk. Like, Span was like jawing at him after the fight. Yeah. But in it like was, a delirious way where he's clearly still hurt. Yeah. Cause, you know, Smith was, you know, very much, I think he finished him and was like, yeah. So what do you, you know, what do you got to say now kind of thing? And they've just kept this animosity going. It's just like the lamest, least impressive. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, yeah. I stand and walk up and shake his hands. He was trying to fight his way the crowd to shake his hands, but he's still talking to him. Who knows what he said? Yeah. Who, who knows why these men are still mad at each other? <laughs> Never been adequately explained enough to the point that I would ever feel invested in it. It seems such a manufactured feud. I mean, I'll say this much. Their first fight was hysterical. It was, yeah. It, like, I'll take it comical. It'll be comical. Span will absolutely throw himself at Anthony Smith. And Anthony Smith will, you know, shy away from it for a moment. And, but like I say, Anthony Smith is surprisingly hard to, he's surprisingly hard to finish for having hurt him. And Spawn just, he gives so many opportunities that. Yeah. I, I mean, I would never, I would never praise Anthony Smith for this in a vacuum, but compared to Span. He does have some idea of how to defend himself. Yeah. He does know how to pivot a bit. He will stick his jab out there to keep you at bay. He will shell up like he's got a couple options to not just get hit clean by everything that happens. So, of course, he's harder to finish. Yeah. Once you hit span clean, it's just like that is just going to keep happening. Yeah. Yeah. You got to pick Anthony Smith again. I mean, there's literally no reason not to. And he might just get absolutely smoked by a one-two out of the gate from Spawn. So you never know. But like sure. I say, that doesn't actually happen that much to Anthony Smith. Maybe Spawn comes out and goes um, absolutely insane with the grappling attack like he did against Krilov. I mean, if he does, that's what I think will absolutely get Spawn finished. <laughs> I think anything he does is getting him finished, if yeah. I'm honest. I mean, the only thing he really has to do is just take the lesson from Johnny Walker by being huge and intimidating and then just kick kick Anthony Smith. Like, just be intimidating enough that he doesn't want to get himself into the fight and then just pl- plunk him with stuff. That's Maybe. it. I just don't... I just think... We've talked about this with fighters before. Like, uh, uh, the, the Span is so markedly devoid of defense, not just technique, but like instinct. Like, yeah, have like the sense that he's about to get hit. Well, I think he's yeah. one of the fighters who basically, I think it was like, what fight was it? It was maybe the Dominic Reyes fight where he was yeah. like, this is the first time I've actually like, started training like a professional in my career. He's just like not been sparring or something like who knows, but yeah, like he just has never done actual like camps for fights. He's just been like, Oh, I show up to the gym and I just hang out and do the gym and do whatever classes I want to take and then go fight. 
I mean, that is crazy, but it it is so marked that it is making me praise people such as Johnny Walker. Yeah. But like Johnny Walker will like move his feet when you're getting too close to him. Like this is the thing is that Spanish, he is so almost unique in that he does not have like the sensor to know when he might need to make a defensive call and he doesn't appear to have the defensive calls to make if he should be aware of the of threats. He just can't assess threats. Yeah. It's like yeah, either like you're just scared of him and you don't do anything or you just you just give free shots. Yeah, Anthony Smith uh opened at plus 126 is currently at plus 110. And Spawn opened at minus 140. He's currently at minus 122. I don't really understand. I mean, I get that Anthony Smith gives off an aura of a guy who doesn't win much more strongly. Like, that is... Anthony Smith's instant vibe check is... Man, you seem like a guy who's going to get beat. Always. (laughs) I don't understand why it is, but, like... Yeah, you, just, you, you, my friend, are on the cusp of something, and it isn't greatness. Yeah. <laughs> Smith vibe. It is always the vibe. It's just like, man, you're about to take an ass whooping. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we've seen this fight recently. and yeah, very recently. <laughs> yeah, and he just won it because he doesn't collapse as spectacularly as Ryan Spawn does. Really, like nobody does. Yeah a talent yeah i don't get it i yeah. mean this absolutely picking the last fight wasn't even competitive no it was really spawn got hurt right away and then swarmed after smith until smith had no choice but to choke him out he got hurt like four times in like three minutes yeah he just hurt by everything because he doesn't know what's coming yeah yeah easy pick <sighs> all right that brings us to a featherweight bout. Giga Chikadze, Alex Caceres. And um, this is uh, this is all right. This is all right. It, it feels a little it, it feels a little cut and dried to me. Yeah. You know, uh, nothing's cut and dry with Caceres, though, is it? Well, yeah, there is that. Who knows just, what tack he is going to take? Yeah, well, usually he's going to take the tack of whatever person is fighting him, whatever fight they want to have. He's been getting a little better about that lately against uh, fighters who themselves don't really have a plan for how to attack him. Yeah, but the plan itself is not durable. Yeah. It's Pineda, you know, he had like three good ideas. Yeah. Did great, plugged away, and then just sort of like, somehow just continued letting Pineda back into the fight. Yeah, he will always... He, if you have a, a plan of how to attack Alex Caceres, he will let that plan come to fruition. It's just like, you know, Julian Arosa, for some reason, just... He went out there and he froze against Caceres. Yeah. Absolutely. Just... I think it must have been the reach. Something sure. about it. And yeah. he basically... Yeah had no plan to approach Caceres, and Caceres just styled on him for that. Yep. But 
Everybody That is one way to get absolutely wrecked by Caceres because a blank canvas where he can use his reach. We've said this many times. Caceres is a surprisingly deft boxer. Yeah. He's got a lot of tools in his game. Great jab. He's got a really clever combination puncher from long range. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you definitely don't want to do that. I mean, obviously, this ain't a blank canvas at that range. Yeah, and that's the problem. That the it's... way to make Chikadze look clueless is to pressure him. Yep. And Caceres doesn't pressure anybody. He can do it in small spots, but yeah, he has to be getting a real lack of feedback to make yeah. that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he'll never do it consistently. Definitely not. Momentary pressure is hardly pressure, like as a as a game plan. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And then Chikadze is just a way more powerful striker from that long range. Yeah, there was a shot. There, there was a moment in Caceres' fight with Pineda. I I watched, and it was like the. It was practically the only piece of tape I needed to see mm -hmm. to have a feeling of how this fight was going to go. And Caceres was about five or six feet from Pineda. I really way outside of range to do anything. And he wound up on a big right hand, jumped all the way in the pocket, uh -huh. and landed a hard right hook to the body. And that was the, the the punch that he was winding up on. And it was like, oh, wow, that's a pretty cool, like, you know, th that landed really hard. How awesome. And then you just picture somebody with their hands down jumping at <laughs> Giga Chikadze from five or six feet away, winding up on one punch. Yeah, and it's just like you are going to get countered so hard and so clean doing that. I mean, Chikadze is honestly kind of a mess technically. Sure, especially in in boxing range. But um, but he's so fast and so powerful, and, and he is all about timing those single distance closing counters for sure. You're stepping in on him or he's stepping in on you. He will meet you with one hard shot. Yeah. The only thing I'm curious about here that doesn't seem completely cut and dry is the idea that uh, perhaps Caceres can weather a storm. He is a very tough fighter. He is, yeah. And Gikichikadze, as far as I know, will still gas from doing too much and being too inefficient and everything being an explosive movement. Yeah. The thought of Chikadze gassing and perhaps colliding into a clinch. If Caceres can somehow accidentally start grappling Chikadze. Sure. Yeah. I, the fight is suddenly very easy because Caceres is an excellent grappler. He really is. Yeah. I mean, it could be a Sung Mu Choi kind of moment where yeah. he's just getting he's just getting absolutely crushed out at distance and then falls on Sung Woo Choi and is like, oh, wait, I could choke you right here and just ends the fight right there. Oops, I appear to have taken your back. And then yeah. the fight. Uh, any any introduction to Caceres' grappling game, I think, dramatically changes um, the, the, the balance of this fight. But as long as he is doing his you-tell-me-what-fight-we're-having thing from, from Chikadze's innate range... He is in serious danger and will be getting hit with much harder, cleaner shots. Yeah. 
Odds on the bout, Chikadze is a healthy favorite. Opened at minus 158, it's currently minus 240. Caceres opened at plus 142, is currently plus 209. That seems like it's trending the right way, honestly. It just... Sure. If Caceres is going to... If he's going to agree to have Chikadze's fight, then it's like the Sung Woo Choi thing, where we saw, like, somebody who has length and power and throws straight out at that range mm-hmm. will find Caceres pretty often and pretty clean. Uh, all right. That brings us to a bantamweight bout. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I guess that they're kind of banking on like, Oh, we did this whole road to UFC. Maybe Rinya Nakamura is going to be like one of our big, uh, top prospects kind of thing, but I'm not otherwise all that sure yeah, why this is they, on the main They side. certainly didn't act like that when the road to UFC was going on. No. And burying this card early in the morning in a, company, or in a country that isn't even Japan. I mean, I guess in Japan it'll be a reasonable time, but sure. who knows? Maybe, maybe you know, I, I this just meh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It's it is kind of a tough fight for me to pick, honestly. Just because Nakamura is so willing to be aggressive without a plan, he very clearly trusts all of his athletic gifts to the point that he will just yeah wade in and throw. Or if you're coming at him, we'll just sit down and throw, and he does not really care. What else is going well, on in that classic moment. Japanese MMA fighter and more of a classic Japanese boxer? Yeah, because they tend to be the 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 Mexicans of the East. You know, mm-hmm. Japanese boxers are fierce and just slug it out in the pocket and don't give a damn about getting hit uh, as a rule. Uh, obviously, as with Mexican fighters, there's a lot of room for other styles, but that is kind of the core Japanese style. That's the reputation. Yeah. And that is how Nakamura fights. It is. And that's all backed up by a fantastic wrestling game. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily, you know, there's not always an, an urgency to get to that. Yeah. And Fernie Garcia is a much cleaner technician than Nakamura when it comes to being a striker. So if he's just going to stand and kickbox with Garcia for a length of time, who knows what could happen? Honestly. Uh, The unfortunate thing with Garcia is he's not that high output. He really would prefer to counter punch. And the fight can be taken away from him really easily. Yeah. He's just not, there's not enough defensive skill in his wrestling or grappling or striking to constantly be giving up the initiative the way he does. So I guess I have to feel like I have to go with Nakamura. 100%. But it's the the technical striking aspects of it are still very much like you, if you're just going to charge at this guy, like, pumping out offense with no care in the world. Garcia does have the clean technique to just absolutely blast you on the counter. Yeah, but he he really does thrive when the pace is nice and measured. Yeah. That's when his striking has a chance to look good. He, you know, like 
if you're if you're prone to being overwhelmed as he is then i don't really care how good your technique is on individual strikes um and even if you're not then like still having individual strikes but really being limited to maybe one or two at a time i mean we we uh we missed on the uh the Hollaball Hubbard call. Well, I, I, I just Hollaball. Did you? Yeah. Okay, good. Good for you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the idea there is that maybe that, oh, you like Hubbard will warm up and yada, yada, yada. And as it turns out, like, no, like going in there against a guy who just wants to make exchanges happen. Yeah. And trying to be content with like one clean shot at a time. That ain't going to work if the guy is determined enough to just keep stringing punches together and falling you out of the pocket. He is going to make you uh, make mistakes as you try to exit, and that's pretty much what I see happening here. And yes. if Nakamura does decide to go to the wrestling game, obviously, like, uh, Brady Highstand just, like, mopped him on the floor. Yeah. The, the only, the, like I said, the only hesitation is that Brady Highstand also got dropped immediately in that fight. Like, yeah. just charging at Garcia. And I could easily see the same happening to Nakamura. But Nakamura's, you know, he's he's been a better wrestler at a higher level. He is more comfortable standing and exchanging than Highstand is. Yeah. And Garcia is just, he's just too easy to take off his game. Yep. I wouldn't expect necessarily that getting uh, a flash knockdown or something or getting buzzed would. Yeah. The, the, for, for better and worse, like it, this, it, it could mean a spiral when he does get hurt, but also yep. I don't think it's going to change much about his approach. I don't get that yeah. vibe from Nakamura. Uh, Nakamura is a heavy favorite. He opened at minus 781, is currently minus 763. Garcia opened at plus 566, is currently plus 556. So. That's too wide. I'm just going to say it. Uh, Nakamura's got great credentials. He looks like a good prospect. But uh, he's also, you know, he's six fights in two years into his MMA career and is still very raw. Yeah. And anybody at this level icing him would not be a shock to me. All right. That brings us to a woman's flyweight bout, Aaron Blanchfield, Tyla Santos. It's one of the better matchups on the card. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron Blanchfield has been super, super impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, she is still, in my eyes, uh, everywhere that isn't her grappling game, a, a, a bit of a uh, wrong idea, right execution kind of fighter. Yeah. I'm sort of waiting for that, somebody who, yeah, go on. Uh, so that fight she had with Andrade, I'm rewatching it back. You just, she's so stiff and so upright. Yeah. And her elbows are flared out on all her punches. And it just does not look right at all. But she's so insistent about keeping that jab in Andrade's face. It's just like, hey, you are making this work. Good on you, you know. It was a strategically perfect fight, yep. right with tactical flaws. Yep. Um, and I think the more we see her uh, forced to use her striking, 
to create her opportunities on the ground, the more we're going to be exposed to that. And, and maybe she will be exposed as a result because yeah, somebody said, sooner or later will, you know, it, 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 it's not Juliana Pena bad, but no, 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 no. There is, you know, there is that same sense where it's like, you know, Juliana Pena could beat Amanda Nunes sure. on the right day. And then Nunez is like, here's one weird trick. And Julian Pena is like, what, do I, what is this? Jab no work any good? Yeah. Yeah. I would not be shocked if, you know, somebody like Shevchenko or yeah. Grasso could do that to Blanchfield it's someday. It's just a common thing with MMA fighters. Yeah. Like, rather than d- d- developing, you, they just don't have time or resources. Yeah. Um or maybe they just don't uh, know that they maybe should develop like a sophisticated game. Yep. It is more like this functions in a very specific way. This jab is here to create pressure. The combinations are there to build on that. And all of this is to just like keep the opponent from getting any initiative on me at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I can find my way. I can find my opportunities to take them down. And the idea of this, you know, yeah, I just think the moment that Blanchfield does that and probably still has some success because she's so insistent, but then like can't get to her takedowns and then the opponent like stages a comeback. I don't know. I think she's tough. I think she's a real competitor, but also she could collapse because there's not enough depth there for her to know like how to, I don't think there's a plan B in the striking. Yeah. You know, you wonder what will happen if she ha- if she gets really put on the back foot sometime by somebody who can hurt her a couple times. Yeah, absolutely. I don't uh, think that's Tyler Santos. So. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I, I think Tyler Santos is a a good fighter. You know, it could happen. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, it's it's bursts with Santos is the problem. Yeah, to me, Santos seems much more like a fighter who is going to have one of those mediocre or meteoric rise, hard fall kind of sure. careers. Uh, obviously, the meteoric rise part being cut, cut a little, made a little less auspicious by the fact that you go look at her record and half of it is canceled fights. But uh, you know, she had a lot of success on the way up with a game that is not actually a very modern MMA game no, at all. It is really a yesterday's game. And she was very insulated on that run-up by not having to fight anybody who could compete with her physically at all. Except for Mara Barella, who beat her. Barely, but who beat her. Sure. And... There are fighters that can compete with Tyler Santos physically in that division. And I think Blanchfield is likely one of them. Yeah. Much more so, certainly, than Molly McCann and Joanne Wood. Well, yeah. And she's got the advantage of being able to more than compete with her technically. You know, like, yeah. even if Molly McCann had been on, say, Molly McCann had Jessica Andrade's physicality, but still had Molly McCann's wrestling. Mm-hmm. She still would have probably lost that fight much in the same way she did. Blanchfield is uh, is a solid athlete, and yeah. also 
there isn't just like a super, there isn't a super obvious way, um, a super obvious gap in her game that Santos herself seems capable of exploiting. Yeah. Like that, that going to the wrestling against McCann, like that's a convenient out. That's yeah. not that's not an out against Blanchfield. The out would be, as you said before, pressing her, trying to overwhelm her, testing her defensive reactions, uh, testing what happens when the initiative is just taken away from her for an extended period. And um, Santos has never done that. Yeah, she's never done that. She's never had to. And she has like, you know, if, if Blanchfield goes out there and just throws 200 jabs. Yeah. Like, I just don't see what Santos is going to do with that. Right. So, yeah, I, I have to pick Aaron Blanchfield here. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think she would have gotten like the KO she got on Joanne Wood if Joanne Wood wasn't so liable to just kind of respect her opponents and give them the time and space to come up with things, putting herself against the fence. At Blanchfield's just doesn't... Yeah. Whatever faults you can say about the technical uh, minutia of her game, it is working the way it is because... She understands how to win fights. Yeah. And she's got, you know, she's got the confidence of somebody who knows how, how to win fights, too. Like, that's always been the like one of the things missing from Joanne Wood is that yeah. she's a fighter who she can find the violent spark when she's, you know, when she's in a war, she can find let, that, like, she, she, I think she gets caught up in the middle of a battle and then she's having fun for Joanne Wood. Yeah. If she feels like she's taking shots and landing shots at the same time, that just makes her happy to be there and happy to fight. But when Wood is just getting hit or just having to strategize, she doesn't really have a clear sense of like, oh, this is how, this is how fights are won. This is what needs to be done to make you know, to make me win and just have an easy fight where I win. It always yeah. has to fall into this is either a war or I'm just kind of getting dominated. Yeah. And I think Blanchfield is much more like, no, 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 no. I know if I keep my pressure like this and I throw this kind of volume, you're, you, I'm going to win rounds. I'm going to win fights. Yep. That's modern MMA. That's why yeah. she does have a modern MMA game. It is all about initiative and pace. Yep. It's about just not giving your opponent time to even figure out how to respond. Just make them react, react, react. Yep. Uh, Santos opened at plus 122, is currently at plus 127. Not a lot of movement on that. Blanchfield opened at minus 135. It's currently minus 141. Yeah, there's a guy. His name was like Topher, I think. I mean, let me see. Contender Series. You put that 70 show? Yeah, not Topher Grace. Oh. But uh, on the recent, on Contender Series recently, there was a uh, kid uh, who got a big win. And got a UFC contract and has already booked for his first fight. Oh, Peyton. Peyton Talbot. Oh, Very much yeah. a Topher name, style of name. But Goodness me. Peyton Talbot. And he's some, you know, 20-something-year-old kid who, uh, like, dropped out of college to go be an MMA fighter. Maybe not the world's greatest decision maker. But... Uh, <laughs> 
seems like he he has a uh, a, th- a thoughtful, more thoughtful feel about fighting than a lot of fighters mm-hmm. do. And he was giving a post-fight interview recently. He's just like, fighters just don't throw enough. I don't understand it. I go out there and throw volume, and he, he like his whole thing is just like be sure. aggressive, throw in huge amounts of volume, and you know. Yeah, he he takes some clean shots, but it, it was just such a great like, you know. I I said a while ago that like people are gonna kids are gonna see Max Hall what Max Holloway did to uh, Calvin Cater, and they are going to or and to Brian Ortega, and they're gonna say, I want to do that. Like yeah. that is my model. And that's what we are seeing. Like there's that a, is Yeah, there's a million examples like that now. Like, yeah, that is just the way to win fights. You just go, go, go. And it's great to see some kid just like going up and being like, Yeah, no, you just you have to throw more. It's you know, it's such a great like here, let me spell out the meta for you. Mm-hmm. It's you know it was it was interesting to see that. Because you you know, you don't you hear a lot of fighters just talk about like more, you know, talking about more technical and strategy and trying to sound like there's a more, there's a deeper philosophy to it. Of course. But just having some guy who's just like, you know, A, seems pretty thoughtful about him, and B, also just being like, now nah, you throw more. That's it. <laughs> not, not really wrong. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that brings us to Junior Tapa, Parker Porter, the comedy, the light touch of comedy <laughs> sprinkled in with our <laughs> UFC Fight Night light comedy review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this this fight is booked to be uh, hilarious. Instead and it of, will be. Instead of the Geritol Follies, it's the Jared Vanderoff Follies. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but um although Vanderoff yeah, now is skinny light heavyweight. Tafa can't help but have hilarious fights at heavyweight. That is going to be his lo- his lot as long as he is a heavyweight because he is such an absurdly oh, sellout power puncher. Yeah. With absolutely no other parts to his game at all. Yeah. And Parker Porter is perfectly suited to make this hilarious because he is absolutely capable of getting instantly iced and actually a pretty thoughtful heavyweight that minds himself and tries hard to fight strategically. Yep. And throws more. And throws more. He agrees with that kid. I have no idea who's going to win this because even a fighter infinitely rawer than Tafa in Braxton Smith was able to just go out and land some bombs on Parker Porter. Well, yeah, and also the other Tafa knocked Porter out in round one. Yeah. Not long ago. Guys who are faster and hit way harder than Parker Porter tend to knock Parker Porter out. Yeah. Um, So... Who knows? I'm going to pick Parker Porter because I like him. Yep. And because Junior Taffa is worse than his brother, is less calculated, less patient, more wild. 
And if Parker Porter can just take him down once, that's probably enough. He's got a much better top game than than Muhammad Usman, who could only really take Tafa down and then lay on him and hope the fight never restarted on its feet again. Well, it's tough to it's tough to keep top position when every time any part of your body touches the ground, you bounce eight feet into the air. <laughs> it's tough when your joints are made of springs. To yeah. Maintain like a post to keep yourself on top. Yeah. So I'll and take part for slinky. That's Muhammad Usman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'll probably take Porter just because that's the kind of guy I pick in matchups like this, but the chances are huge. That he just gets iced. In a- <laughs> he just gets iced. Like, uh, is, is, is Chris Dawkus good? No. Is he better even than Junior Taffa? I don't know. Maybe they're on a tier, I, but like... He he is marginally more calculated, which in heavyweight in heavyweight terms actually makes a huge difference. But that's that's it. Like yeah, which is which is comical because if you watched his last fight, it's like he looks like everything he does is the most obvious thing anyone's ever done. Yeah, they're like oh like you're just gonna oh you're about to throw three punches at me. I'm gonna hit you with the same right hook yeah. that I'm throwing on counter. Literally every time you've done anything, it's just going to land and hurt you. Yep. I'm Khalil Roundtree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what the hell? I'll, I'll pick Junior Taffa because, like, the chances are high. Anybody who's fast and hits really hard is just going to sleep Porter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just... I picked Braxton Smith, Braxton Smith over Parker Porter for that same yeah. reason. It almost worked. It almost like... worked. He did hit Parker Porter really hard early in that fight, and Porter had to like fight his way through it and battle back against a guy who was basically just an ambulatory fist. <laughs> who who somehow got tired in like a minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that, you know, I don't think Junior Chaffa gets tired in just one minute. So no, take like there's an advantage to being a guy who hits hard early. Yeah. Because uh, he had a whole lot of stupid fight with Muhammad Usman. He had a lot. It's just Usman, like, it was literally just, I'm going to hit you insanely hard. You are going to take me down. And then we're both just going to nap. We are both just <laughs> going to have a quick snooze, recover our, our you know, our, our kick cardio and our gas tank. And then go back to me hitting you really hard and you falling on me and we take a nap again. <laughs> that was a good fight. It was such a it was such a great scene. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Tafa just because I mean who who cares? Yeah. Uh Tafa is a favorite here, opened at minus one thirteen, currently at minus one thirty-eight. Order opened at plus one oh two, currently plus one twenty-four. And uh, we'll be back in just a second with a little bit of bonus content looking back at UFC 292 for our Substack subscribers. So sign up for Substack and join us there. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.
Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.